works. Eric does, Eric does work back there. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, you are the source, Lord. We're talking about this whole series. You're the source of all things, literally everything. And you cause, I mean, you just said the word and you brought things into existence. We need materials. We've got to plan. We've got to build things. Father, you just speak, and it comes into existence. That is extraordinary, and we don't understand it. And uh, we get to be in relationship with you, the one who just speaks and things are done. And so, Father, I just pray that you really just encourage our hearts this morning. You speak through me in, a, in an accurate way, Father. Um, and I pray, Lord, if, if something strikes a chord with us that we wouldn't just leave it there, that we'd follow through, that we'd mine it out, that we'd dig out the truth and, and what you're speaking to our hearts. May we not be on an intellectual journey, but may we be focused on a heart transformation that takes over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, we are in our second part here of The Source, right? So we're doing our series, The Source. We started a couple weeks ago. E came and brought some encouragement and a good word last week. I think, hopefully, it helped bless you. I know it helped bless me. And um, I'll focus on the idea of identity, right? Identity in Christ, who we are. Uh, just because we maybe call ourselves or has, have a title of Christian, that doesn't exactly mean that we understand and that we live in the inheritance and the heritage that we have in Jesus Christ. So we talked about that stuff last week. And we're going to catch back up on our series of the source. The entire reason why we started this series of the source was because of this idea. We actually, it's what started us, what sort of springboarded us right into this, is because in Samuel we talked about a message about patience. The P word that everybody loves and we all really like. Because we all know how to wait really well for stuff we really want. So we could probably all just go home because we're good with that. But we started the idea with that uh, message on patience and waiting well. And from there we had this idea and we were talking about this, this thought pattern of there's this fullness. We sang the song Fullness, right? That was the second song. Um, fullness. It's my desire. I hope it's your desire. It's certainly God's desire for us to experience the fullness. Everybody say fullness. Yeah, to experience the fullness of God's miraculous faithfulness and his promised provision. That will change your life forever, and it does change your life forever. When that's a reality that you can actually live in and you have stories to tell experiencing, not just talking about it, maybe hearing it secondhand from someone else. And that helps us a little bit. But what happens when it's our own personal reality with God, we say, man, I have truly experienced his miraculous faithfulness, and I, I never, wow. And the way that, you know, I, it actually makes sense. I could see him parting the Red Sea. I could see how that could happen. I could see how he could feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. I could see it because I brought this before him. I labored in prayer. I wanted to connect with his heart. I didn't give up on it. And look at what he did. 
That'll change your life forever. Because now it's, this is not just religious talking points and cliches and jargon and maybe... It's not any of that. Now it's the rea- reality of being in a relationship with a father that can truly do anything at all times. That just changes your life forever. It changes everything. And then this idea of a promised provision, that kind of brings us to this idea in this week, and this is going to be a two-parter. This is going to be a two-parter on finances. So, this week, and I really want to try and get together all, you know, in this one here, but it, it won't work. That'll be like trying to get a drink from a fire hydrant. It just, it won't be helpful. You get it from a water fountain, it just goes like this, right? Fire hydrant will blow you away. Okay, Sadie, you got that? So, can't do all of it. So we're just going to do a little part of it. We're just going to do the backdrop part because the backdrop is super important. To so talk about money and finances and not, not talk about the heart and the mind behind it, it it's, it's kind of craziness. It's like trying to, I don't know, it's like trying to start a job without having zero training, zero understanding, zero schooling. I mean, it'd be like somebody... I don't know, maybe living at home their entire life, never have any education, and they just want to say, you know what, I'm going to be a college professor now. And it's like, how? You don't know how to read, like you don't understand how words work, how to do anything, it doesn't make any sense. And much of the way that we approach money and finances is, is very similar. And the idea being is that you can't really talk about what to do with it, how to handle it, wise choices and decisions to make practically unless we actually get to the heart of the matter which is, here's the heart of the matter. Are you ready? I'm going to give you the, the seat. This is the spoiler alert. The heart of the matter of money and finances is lordship. Everybody say lordship. Lordship, authority. Everybody say authority. And then everybody say dominion. Yeah, those aren't really fun words, but that's the reality when it comes to money and finances. Dominion. Dominion, yes. We're going to talk about it. All right. So, as Michael said in the very beginning, it's kind of commonplace in a lot of churches, a lot of places, uh, you don't really want to talk about money. You don't really want to talk about it because, well, let's be honest. The church's main message when it comes to money is give. It's a one-word message, and it has been for a long time, unfortunately. And not only that, to kind of compound it and make it worse, a lot of churches and places haven't been really transparent about how they spend their money and what they do with it. Um, They've purposely taken advantage of people. And there's been a lot of guilt and manipulation involved. So because there's this whole arena that's just kind of funky, a lot of times you want to just stay away from it. But the reality is, all of us, everybody, honestly, we all care very much about money. Many people are going to, you're going to read articles about it. You're going to try and figure out how to get more. You're going to try and figure out how to be really wise with it. People are always clicking on something that might be interesting as far as how to manage money in a better way. I mean, there's a reason why people are going to listen to Dave Ramsey. They're going to listen to talk shows and podcasts about finances, about money. People want to know and be more educated with money, how to use it better, how to be better with it. I'm like that. You probably are like that. So the reality is most people, they want to talk about money. 
And most people in church, they definitely want to talk about money, but they don't want to hear the same message. Just give, because you're supposed to. And if you don't, you're a bad sinner. It's not a good message. And part of that might be true, but that's, that's, not, that's why I'm saying. We need to understand the lordship, the heart behind it, who it is we're talking about with his resources and with money. All right? So um, let me give you a couple of, let's say, misconceptions. I want to label it better understandings. Let's always say better understandings about money. Okay? Better understandings about money. Let me put it to you this way. The kingdom of righteousness. The Bible always uses this term, kingdom of righteousness. Kingdom of righteousness, it's not about money. It's not about money. The Bible makes it really clear. You can read it again later. Romans 14, 7 and Luke 17, 21. Kingdom of righteousness is not, about, not a matter of money, but it's a matter of, in Romans it says, it's a matter of righteousness, holiness, and basically doing the right thing. That's what the kingdom of righteousness is about, not about money. And in Luke 17, 21, it says the kingdom of righteousness is right now here among us. Not in full, but in part. Meaning, there's two kingdoms. There's like this kingdom of Jesus Christ, where he's the eternal ruler, judge, authority, creator. God the Father is there. The Holy Spirit is there. The entire Trinity its their entire domain and kingdom. And in that domain and kingdom, there is absolutely no sickness, absolutely no disease. There is um, the finest of the fine. It is an atmosphere that is like nothing we've ever known or ever experienced. It's completely pure complete, total love, joy, just happiness. The things, things are exactly the way they're supposed to be. And everything functions and is set in place and set in motion by the king himself. Yahweh, Jehovah, king of kings, lord of lords, it is his kingdom. He has full domain. Then, there's this other kingdom that, like, we live in, we function in, we go to school in, we go to work in, we have family in, right? And this other domain, God still is completely sovereign. It's not like he can't do whatever he wants whenever he wants. He absolutely can. But there's also, in play, this very significant devil, the enemy, Satan. And he has a considerable amount of power. It's significant. I think many of us like underestimate it, but it's pretty significant. What he's actually able to do, able to tell people, able to oppress people, able to oppress Christians with, able to discourage Christians with, Christ followers. Very significant. And within this realm, we have things that we deal with, one of them being money, one of them being relationships, sexuality, right? There's all these things of this kingdom, which we won't experience in the other kingdom. And what happens is, when the kingdom of Jesus Christ, God himself, 
when that collides, when that collides with this kingdom, things change, and things are done very differently. For example, if... Right, we're in creation of Jesus Christ, and, and it's told to us and explained to us that we are forgiven of our sins, and that for those that have given their lives to Jesus Christ and they are Christ's followers, that they are sons and daughters of God. True? True. Yes, that's right. Tab's like, I ain't budging on that. That is true. No hesitation. I love it. Because it's true. Now, if someone doesn't quite have a firm grasp of that, or maybe if they don't feed that truth regularly, or stay in that place really like they should, They're going to start to maybe be a little bit less confident about who they are. Um, Maybe not be as courageous maybe when they need to be. Maybe might not take steps and go places in life maybe like where they should, where if they had a full grasp of forgiveness and understanding of who they really were, they'd be able to be in life and handle certain, certain situations in life the way that they should. Now, if that kingdom collides with this sort of self-esteem and this idea of who they are and what's going on, when that comes in, it completely changes an individual and how they think. Because now they're not starting to think about themselves based on what life tells them. They're starting to think about life and who they are based on the other kingdom and what that says. And what happens is when we start to live in that reality and that truth, it actually starts to play out. And it starts to develop and happen. Much the same like money. So when we have money, and this kingdom then collides with it, it radically transforms how we handle money. Because we realize that this money and the finances that we have, it's not really of this world and of this kingdom. It might be currency and things that we use and we work hard towards, try and get more of and try and be smart with the way that we use all of it is going to be influenced by this other kingdom. So I just want to lay the groundwork on that. All right? Let me also say this. Um, More wealth or increased wealth is not a sign of spirituality. Also, poverty is not a sign of spirituality. Either way. Right? So, and that's confusing because in the Old Testament, God showed his favorable hand a lot of times where he gave people a lot of monetary blessings. I mean, he just did. He just increased people like crazy. When King Solomon was ruler, it said that silver was as common as stones. I mean, it's just, wow, it's crazy. Lots of money. Abraham, lots of herds and cattle. I mean, it's crazy. King David, it's just nuts. In the New Testament, that can happen from time to time. But it doesn't always look that way. And to just say, hey, I'm going to now deny myself everything in life and make sure I have nothing, that's not a sign of spirituality and a mark of growing in God either. Either way is not 
exactly what God is calling us to. So, when it comes to money and finances, we've got to have an idea of what one kingdom is saying, what another kingdom is saying. We want to have the kingdom of who God is collide with what's happening here in this kingdom. And then also, at the same time, it's not a matter of formula and dollar amounts. It's not a formula for dollar amounts. Now, here's why it's not a formula. When Jesus was interacting with people and he was talking about money, he did it very differently for different people. For some people, he would say, hey, listen, you've got to sell everything you own. For somebody else, he never even brought the topic up. For somebody else, he would say, hey, listen, go do good deeds. It was very different of how he approached people. So the idea of maybe just giving everything away and making sure you have nothing and almost this idea of the spirit of poverty is not exactly the highest level of Christian living achievement. Now, it might be a case where God is calling us really to give a lot of stuff out and have almost nothing. But that's not the goal for everybody. Right? The idea of really, the idea is lordship. The idea is dominion. The idea is submission to who he is, what is he actually doing. That's really the idea behind it. So if you look at a guy like Zacchaeus, do you remember Zacchaeus? That's like the favorite You know, Sunday morning Bible study class for all the kids, Zacchaeus, you know. Do you guys remember Zacchaeus at all, a little bit? Zacchaeus, you can find him if you want to look later this week. Uh, wrote it down here. Uh, Luke 19, 1 through 9. Uh, basically, Zacchaeus, he's a tax collector. He, ro- he ripped off everybody. He ripped off all of his own people. So basically, bless you, it's kind of like the IRS. You know, a lot of people just don't, I remember I was watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire back in, you know, Who Wants to Be a... Is that even on anymore? Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? But I was watching that when it first came out, early 2000s, and there was a guy from Hamden on there. I want to say he won. And I remember when they first introduced him, he worked for the IRS, and everybody go, ooh. <laughs> and it's kind of like that with Zacchaeus. You know, he's with his own common people, and, okay, he's supposed to collect taxes, but what he would do is... He would uh, extort people and take way more than what was necessary. And the way he could get away with it is because he had Rome backing him. He's like, really, you got a problem with me? Well, then you'll get be arrested and thrown in jail tomorrow. And we'll just be done with that. So just give me what you, just give it to me. And that's just the way he would just, it's really heartless, not compassionate. It's not a good person. And so uh, Jesus and him, Jesus and he, I don't know, Jesus and him, Jesus and he, they connect. And Jesus doesn't go to him and say, hey, listen, you know, you've been ripping off people for a long time. Like, it's time to give everything back. That's what's in the way in your life right now. Money is your problem. He never once said that to Zacchaeus. Not once ever. He said, hey, listen, I'm going to come to your house and hang out with you today. They end up talking more. And Jesus says, hey, forgiveness has come to your home. There's something about their conversation, whatever they're discussing about, there's something genuine that was transforming within the man. And Jesus said, hey, listen, God is working in your life. Forgiveness is coming to this household. And all the other fellow Hebrews, they're freaking out. How? 
He's been ripping us off exceedingly. For su- There's no way God is pleased with that. And sure enough, when it was happening, God wasn't pleased with it. And the interesting response from Zacchaeus, he said, hey, listen, you know what? If I've wronged anybody, I'm going to pay him back. And you know what? I'm not just going to pay him back. I'm going to pay him back four times. It's very interesting to me that obviously the issue in his life was greed. And he got never went, Jesus never went after that. He said, no, man, the re- your heart is messed up. It's looking like greed, but your heart is messed up. That's what I'm saying. When it comes to money and finances, we spend our money and finances and we do things that we value and that we think are important. The question is not necessarily the money and finances. The question is your heart. Is it jacked up? That's the issue. And it might show in greed. It might show in selfishness. Right? It might show in impatience. It might show in anger. It might show in other ways. Money and finances is just a reflection of what's going on inside of us. And that's why you see so many athletes, you know, movie stars, they may have started in a really just poor, rough place in life, but then, based on their talents, they get to a certain place, and now they got money, and they got cash. And they are spending money and spending cash. And they're doing stupid things. And there's so many stories of how now they've entered into this life, they have no idea what to do with it, and so now because they didn't know how to handle when they had nothing, they certainly don't know how to handle it when they have a lot. Their hearts are just all jacked up. They need the healing in the very beginning. I'll get more to that later. So is Zacchaeus. Then you have the parable of the rich young ruler. That's in Matthew 19. Rich young ruler, he says, what must I do, good teacher, to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, listen, you know, you, gotta, you have to do what the law says. You've got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Take care of people. He says, okay, I've done that. Jesus is like, eh. Yeah, but the way you're doing it, there's the problem there. You might be doing the right things, but your heart is not in the right place. So I appreciate that parable. You could be doing the right things and your heart being in the wrong place. You could be doing the right things and your heart not being in a position of lordship and just in agreement with God's leadership in my life. It's very easy to just check off boxes and do things without having him be the Lord of my life. So Jesus says to him, well, you know what? Go back, sell everything that you have, then then come follow me, then you'll be ready. Money was his issue, apparently. It says that he went away sad. And we don't know if he's sad because... He was actually going to go give everything away and follow Jesus or because he wasn't going to do it. Or maybe he's going to wrestle with it for a little while. I don't know. But his issue was money and finances. It was also Zacchaeus's. But Jesus didn't direct his money issue there. He had a heart issue that needed to be fixed. Parable young ruler, he had a heart issue that needed to be fixed. But Jesus said, hey, listen, the target really is money. There's no other thing. We need, you need to give away stuff. There's a problem there. You have to give things away. Very interesting. All about money and finances looks totally different depending upon the person. In the early church, Acts 2.45, it says that they would meet together and they sold all their possessions and gave it away to everybody. 
That's the way the early church functioned. And I remember preaching that um, like when we first started the church. We were back in the Elks Lodge and you know, smelling like beer and stuff over there, floor all sticky and all crazy over there. So we were talking about this passage. We started off with the book of Acts, and somebody came up to me after and said, well, do I have to sell all of my things? Is that what God wants me to do? And it's not a yes or no, it's a maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Dave, why don't you ask God? I don't know. I'm not God. The idea of being is being in relationship with him and see what he's calling for in your life. I said to not live your life sacrificially in any way, that's not what he wants for you. I can tell you that. But to give away all of your stuff? He said, yeah, I don't know. I said, so we engage a conversation. We talk more and you know, work through that together. I didn't just leave him hanging with, I don't know, and walk away. You know? we, were in, we were in a relationship and talked more about that. But idea being, sometimes that happens. Sometimes God calls us to that. In Luke 10, turn there real quick. I know we're going to go back to Matthew 6. I didn't forget about that. In Luke 10, verse 25, says this. Same kind of question. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus' teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the same thing the rich young ruler asked, right? Verse 26, uh, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you've answered correctly. And Jesus replied, do this, and you will live. He didn't say anything about money. In fact, after that, verses 30 to 37, he talks about the parable of the Good Samaritan. So his segue, again, the question was, for one person, what do I have to do to get eternal life? Jesus says, hey, listen, go sell everything you own, then come follow me. Right? For another one, he's got money issues. They just have a conversation. And fellowshipping together, and he says, your sins are forgiven. The guy says, I'm paying everybody back four times. Another conversation, what do I have to do to get eternal life? Nothing money related there. Say, listen, go actually do this. Like, do this stuff. Don't just talk about it. Actually do it. Engage in it. So giving everything away doesn't put us in better standing with God. Getting a whole bunch more stuff doesn't put us in better standing with God. The thing that puts us in better standing with God and puts us and positions us to handle money and finances really well because we've got to be in the right position before we can play the game really well. You ever watch little kids, like like five, like six, seven-year-olds, play soccer? Okay, you stand there, Johnny. You stand there. You stand there. You stand over here. Two guys here. One over there. Okay, you're over there. Boom. Blow the whistle. Kick the ball. Whoa, swarm on the ball. It's crazy. Nothing about positioning. Nothing. Everything you just said. There's the ball. I see the ball. I'm going after the ball. And then all their little brains, they all say it, and they just follow it all over the field. It's crazy, right? And it's kind of the way a lot of people do life, go with money. Money. I worked hard for it. 
money. And you just follow it. And then it's like going backwards. Oh my God, oh my God. And you're going over here. Oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God, oh my God. And then you just like follow the money everywhere. And then the job like loses. Oh my God, I got no money. And then you just freak out everywhere, right? And then, oh, money's back. And it's just like, oh, a sale. You know, oh, da, 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 da. you find all this stuff. And it's like, God is calling us, hey, listen, position yourself in the right place first. Position your heart and your mind in the right place first. And I promise you, we'll be able to take the money and finances to the place that it needs to go. So that way, number one, you will get blessed. You will experience my promised provision. And I will confirm my kingship and my authority on who I am and where this stuff comes from. It's about being positioned well. It's about being positioned well. That's why we need to at least take one Sunday and let's just position my heart, position, we're talking money and finances, it's more than the cabbage, the cheddar, the green stuff. It's more about my heart. Where is it at with it currently? And where is God trying to take it? Because that will greatly affect where I spend it and where I save it and where I give it. And I love this here. It just sums it up perfectly. Love the Lord your God with all your everybody say heart, with all your everybody say soul, everybody say with your strength, and with your mind. I mean, jeez. I mean, you're doing that. You're probably not real lost on where you should be spending your money. If you're giving God the absolute best of yourself, how and where? you spend your money is not a great riddle and it's not very confusing. It's really not. Because here's the honest truth. I'll tell you what. God just doesn't want your money. The give message is like partially true, but you can't just go just on that. You need to hear more. He doesn't just want my money and your money. It's not like he even needs it. Does he need it? No. He could just speak and whatever. Anything happens. He owns cattle on a thousand. It's not an issue. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need any of it. Right, we need it to do the things that we need to do. And so it's very much about our heart position being in the right place understanding it for what it is. It's just a tool. It's just a tool that he's going to use to grow us. And it's one that just really grabs our attention because we work so hard for money. Everybody in here works hard. I know. I know all of you. Everybody works hard in here. You work hard for your money, and when you get it, you know, it's like... And so sometimes it's hard, right, to let go of the control and ease up on that. Totally understand, totally get it. But if we're loving the Lord with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, our heart and our mind become so secure with who he is, it really doesn't matter what he wants to do with, quote, unquote, my stuff. And I put it in quotes because it's not even really my stuff. We're just stewards, managers of it, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We're just stewards. We're just managers of it. Some of us got more. Some of us got less. You go into a season of more, a season of less. And the idea at the end of the day is not ultimate more accumulation. 
The point at the end of the day is to be an amazing steward. And not just that, I want you to make sure they really understand and you hear this right now. Because I really believe that this is what God really wants to communicate to my heart and to our hearts as a church family. God wants us to be able to be in the arena of money and finances. He wants us to be in a position of strength, of clarity, of confidence, and of anointing. I hope you heard that. He desires for us, when it comes to money and finance, to be in a position of strength, of clarity, of confidence, and of anointing. So when it comes to, ish, when it comes to money, we're like, I know what I'm doing. I know how I'm good. I, I can handle this. I know, I know where we're going. I know what God is doing. I'm on it. I'm on it. doesn't mean every, I know everything about the stock market. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying with a confidence, with an anointing, like God can stretch your dollar further than what you ever thought. And he could bring more dollars in than you could ever imagine. And that's not sinful to think that. And it's not sinful to think, try and get a bargain. Too many people, especially in the church, it's crazy. Too many people in the church as a whole, big C, when it comes to money, weak, frail, uncertain, indecisive, and just sort of stiff on the topic. It's important, but I don't even know what I'm doing, and I don't, I mean, a lot of bad choices. I don't know, you know, I just, I don't know. And God wants to grow us to be strong in it, confident in it, anointed with it. Good steward. So in order for that to happen, we've got to let the Holy Spirit fix our focus. Say, fix your focus. Now tell somebody next to you, say, fix your focus. Not everybody did it. Say it to somebody next to you, say, fix your focus. I mean, that's really the key. Okay, now Matthew 6. We made it. I mean, we talked about the Bible, we just didn't read a bunch of passages. Matthew 6, verse 25. So go 25, 19, sorry, starting in 19. Jesus always goes right for the bullseye. He's a target kind of guy. This is what he does. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where's your treasure at? Right? Where's your treasure at? That's the issue. Where's our treasure? 
Because wherever your treasure is, your heart is going to follow. So many people in so many marriages would be like, I don't love that person. I'm done. I don't love them. I fell out of love with them. I'm just, there's nothing. In fact, I'm pretty much repulsed by them. It's the reality. Getting that conversation a lot with a lot of people. And really, a lot of the issue is, right, falling out of love, don't want to love. The issue is, took some vows. Took some vows. In front of people, to God. And the vow was to love regardless of whatever you get received back. That's a really, really, really gut-wrenching, true thing. It, it, and unless you know, you've been married or been in a couple marriages, you don't know that. It's just, it's hard. That's the one thing I try, I always try and get really clear in premarital counseling what love actually means. Because it's like, it's a verb, it's not just a feeling. And so, if you start to position somebody as a treasure, your heart will follow. You start to position something as a treasure. You just say, so-and-so is a treasure. I, they mean so much to me. I do cherish them. I can't stand them, but I know. I, I took these vows. I, I got it. I don't even know how I'm going to go about doing this, but I have to start treasuring them in my life somehow, some way. Maybe it just means I won't give them a dirty look today, but something. But that's true, right? Like, just, these are true things. Like, that's, for some people, it's like a big step for me today. I didn't, you know, I wasn't sarcastic with them. I wasn't rude to them. Like, whatever it is, it's a step towards treasuring and cherishing. And if you build up enough steps, your heart will soon follow. I can remember in middle school, we were doing, uh, in math class, we were doing like a stock, stock game, stock project thing. And the idea was, you know, you get these stocks, you know, watch them, learn about the stock market, and, you know, we use fake money, and the winner gets the whatever. I don't remember. But I remember having a couple of stocks, and I think I had all I knew, right? I was like 12. So I think I had it in Nike, you know, basketball, Michael Jordan. I don't know anything else. Got something in Nike, and I think I had some in Reebok, you know, the two, like, opposing companies. And um, I remembered... I never knew uh, stock terminology. I never knew what the stock market was. I never knew what it meant to when a share splits. I never, brokers, I, I didn't know any of these things. All of a sudden, I'm in the stock game. And I want to win because I'm competitive. And it was before the day and age of digital and having resources. So you had to like, read a paper. I'd flip to the finance section of the stock market. What was the closing price today? 12 years old. Like, I never cared. All of a sudden, I was treasuring it because I, I wanted to, it meant something. I made it mean something because I wanted to win. I, I gave it value. So now it's like, I want to know. I'm in it. Because my skin is in the game here. and I, I want to know. All of a sudden, my heart just followed it. It's amazing, like, how we do that. So there are some things in life, some seasons in life, where you really don't want to, and you can't trust your emotions. Like, you can't. They're indicators, but they're not dictators. 
doesn't mean you suppress every emotion, and I'm not saying that. They matter. And we talk to, like, other people. We, like, what's going on here? Why is this happening inside of me? And we bring it before the throne, and we're like, trying to figure out what the deal is. But they certainly just can't guarantee our next move. So where our treasure is, our heart will soon be. And so much, it's very true like with finances. We've got to fix our focus on exactly what the treasure is in our life. Next week, we're going to get into all the like comprehensive, realistic stuff about money. Giving, you know, is it a tithe? Is it 10%? How do you save a budget? What is that? Like All these practical data things, that's all next week. You didn't come to the wrong one this week. This is important this week because we have to position ourselves to be able to do that well because where you're positioned, it affects how, we're going to break it down into three categories next week. It positions how you live, give, and save. It forms all of that. So that's why it's very important. Okay, what do I treasure in my life and what God is doing? Who are the people? What are, you know, the group, the church, myself? Like, what, what do I treasure in my life? And the nice thing about next week, the practical side, about writing things down, keeping track of things, we can say, oh, well, I treasure, um, you know, my church family, giving to other people, being generous, uh, working out, you know, eating right. You know, I, really? Well, next week, to guard against any possible deception, we're going to talk about how to actually watch a flow of finances come in and how it goes out. Because the numbers don't lie. That's why I do like math a little bit. The numbers don't lie. So no matter how much I try and convince myself, oh, I'm so, I am a tither. I am generous. I give to others. Well, based on last month, 3%? Maybe not so much. Or maybe negative, not even one dollar found its way out to somebody somehow in some way. Nothing sacrificial. Because here's the other truth, which we'll talk about next week. When a heart is positioned right, God is not looking for us to give in like out of our surplus. That's the way a lot of people handle it. Well, if I can afford it, like I'll do it. Oh man, you're so missing the fullness of experiencing his faithfulness and his promised provision. If you're just like including God out of the surplus, lordship and his dominion in our life is completely being missed. Man, you're robbing yourself a great opportunity of knowing his faithful hand and who he really is. But we get more to that next week. For now, it's about fixing our focus. Fixing our focus. And you know what's really interesting and funny to me? After he just talks about where your treasure is, your right? After he finished talks about money and all that stuff, the very next topic he talks about to like explain it in further detail, it's great. It's like he knows what he's doing. He talks about the very next topic. If you look right now, he says, um, Blah, blah, blah. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either way, he will hate the one, love the other, or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Amen. Next topic. Therefore, I tell you, 
do not worry. He gets right into, like, the biggest problem with money for most of us is worry and anxiety. Do I have enough? Where is it coming from? How do I? What if? It's very interesting how he does that, right? It's like Jesus knows exactly where our minds are going to go when it comes to money and to finances. And so a lot of times, like, passages from Matthew 6 are quoted. Don't worry about tomorrow. Like, God will take care of that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given unto you. In context, he's talking about money. You can use that verse for any situation. Go ahead. Like, it's fine. But in context, he's talking about that with money. I call that the, like, arguably number one or number two banner verse for money. Next week, we find out the real banner one. But the verse is, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, fix your focus, position your heart. Then money and finance is going to make a lot of sense. And you're going to experience a lot of what God says about what is true about his character and his nature. Because when we're not obedient and the money ends, I, I hope you hear this one. This is very true. Okay? We're going to look at it more next week. There are some things, I found it true in my life. You'll find it true in yours. There are some blessings, some favor from God and from heaven himself that we will not experience and enter into if we do not, if we are not faithful in the arena of money and finances like God calls us to be. It will actually restrict and withhold some of what God wants to do in our life. I'm telling you it's true. And we'll look more about that next week. All right? But for now, this morning, fixing our focus. And you know what? I would honestly, you should take the week and you should talk with God and you should write stuff down and be like, you know what? Where's my treasure exactly at? I mean, my treasure. A true treasure. And listen, if all your money goes to your family because that's your treasure, that's a problem. It's a problem. God gave us our family. We should love them, and they are. I treasure my kids. I treasure my wife. But when we look at our budget and all of our money spent on all our kids and giving them everything they want, everything they want to do, like, we have a problem in our home. Like our kids just got placed above Julie and I honoring God with our finances and being faithful and not the way we should be. And that's why it helps to look at the numbers. Be like, wow, what are we doing? And honestly, Julie and I, we didn't really do it seriously until you know, a year ago, really. I mean, seriously. It was like kind of here and there, vaguely talk about it, occasionally look at the accounts, you know. But really within the past year, it's like, okay, what exactly are we doing? And are we growing in it? Because the idea is to grow in it. I'll tell you what, like, I so badly, so in my heart. Somebody come up, Julie and I really need something. We come into just, man, just a single mom in town. She's just hurrying, you know, things are just bad, or a single dad, whatever. And just, you know, be around them, be around the story, just hear what's going on. They need a car, boom, I want to write a check. Your car is done, like, and don't, you know, thank us, that's fine. Thank God, like, thank God for that. 
we were just faithful to what he said to do. And man, you're just receiving it, so we just receive that. I want to be able as a church family. Man, imagine if we could just build somebody a home. I'd love it. Give a big family a van or something. You know, like just do stuff. We can't actually, if we're so restricted by debt and immaturity and irresponsibility with finances, we are so paralyzed from actually using it the way we're supposed to use it. We're so centered on our little nest egg. And I'm not saying nest eggs and retirements are bad. And I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. Don't ever have a retirement fund. Don't ever build that stuff up. He's saying if that's your number one concern and that's where everything goes, what are you doing? I think it's good for us to build stuff up. How else can we give if we don't have anything? So I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this stuff. I'm excited to be talking about it. I feel like God is going to get us to think about some things. And, the, and you want to know what the most super freeing thing is? We haven't talked about money in a while because, you know, we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and some books it comes up, and some books it doesn't come up at all. What's super freeing about the entire thing is God has done an amazing work in my heart and my life to where it's like, uh, I feel so free because the entire thing, I don't have to stand here week after week and say, you know what, I need you to give. Oh, it feels so good. I so pray and hope that you do for your benefit and for what God wants to do. I think you're making a huge mistake if you never do. Or if you do and it's minimal or whatever. It's, it's bad news. But it feels so amazing. It feels so amazing to actually talk about money and finances in ways where we all grow together in it. Where we grow together and position ourselves to be givers, to be the source to those around us. Because now we have a better understanding of where our heart needs to be, where our treasure needs to be, and we flow from there. And when needs arise or unforeseen things happen, we don't have to freak out and go crazy and get super anxious. We can trust in who he is. Alrighty, we're going to do communion, and then we're going to sing one final song together. If I could get maybe uh, two people to help me pass this out. And by help, I mean do it. <laughs> do you want to open? Oh, here you go. Yeah, Dineshka, thank you. So hold on to it. We're going to take it together. I find it interesting that Jesus, you know, he would 
never, he, car- he didn't carry money on him. It's pretty interesting to me. I mean, he would just, you know, literally speak, and a fish would have a gold coin in his mouth. So I guess it's a nice ability to have. You know, you don't really need a wallet. Just have anything close by. It's, it's crazy. He would hang out at people's houses, Miriam, Martha, Lazarus, other people's houses, and they would just, they would just take him in. He was kind of like treated really well. It was like nice houses, and they had money, and he wasn't apologetic about any of it, which is very interesting to me. It's like saying, I don't deserve it, and I'm not worthy, and thank you guys so much. You know, it's, it's interesting like how he understood how strong and how confident he was on the whole money issue. Oh, you do? Okay. Thank you. Come on, brother. And you know that when we go to heaven, how many people know they're not going to have like dollar store, de- dollar store decorations in heaven? It's like legit nice, high end, like you'd never pay for. Sometimes that like flows and filters in our lives. I remember being around somebody and uh, another leader in the church and somebody pulled in the parking lot in a nice car. First comment, you know, and this is like a Christian leader, and they're like, they shouldn't be driving that. It's like, oh man, just don't say things like that. How do you? How do you know? You don't even know this person. There's like this stigma that like Christians can't have nice stuff. That maybe God wouldn't bring it into your life for some reason. Actually, bless you, just bless you because He loves you bless those around you. It's like this weird judging, like weird thing. If you're a Christian, you've got to have the worst of stuff. And always take hand-me-downs. Never turn up. It's like, maybe sometimes, like, okay, okay, like, be frugal, be a good shopper. If you don't know how to do it, hang out with Julie. She's pretty good at that stuff. Right? But, like, it happens both ways. You know what I'm saying? And I want to come, and I think you want to come, from a position of strength and confidence where like Paul says, you know what? No matter what, if it's coming and it's flowing, I'm good. If it's not, I'm still good. I know where my treasure is. Okay. It says, while they're eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. And so we take and we eat. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, offered to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So we take and we drink. Okay. (laughs) Does that tell you I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom? It's going to be an amazing communion we take in heaven. Everybody over the globe, all times, crazy. So let's stand. We're going to close in a song. Eric, I got that last one there. Not super loud. Um, I wanted just to close on a song, just focusing on how great God is. Because if he is that great, if he is that wonderful, if I don't got too many issues, like just giving him what's already his anyways. So it's worthwhile to think about that and sing about it. So we'll we'll sing about that and then we're going to close in prayer. All right?